Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with Marcus Sheridan about his transformational marketing approach that looks into giving customers exactly what they're looking for. In this episode, we'll take a closer look at his unique approach and how you can replicate it too. And I think that's, but this is the hardest part is even though it's simplistic in nature, it's probably one of the most difficult things to do because you have to really have a clear message, like a real, I think that's such a hard thing to do because I think you touched on with the marketing thing, right? We're trained as marketers, right? So you got to hurry up and do this and you have this much time to get their attention. You got to do this and you got to explain to them why you're the best. And it's so, it's such ass backwards when like when we talk about this, but trying to like taking something from your, whatever it is, your, you know, two paragraphs down to, you know, one sentence or two sentences sentences, right? You talk about your pitch. It's, Hey, if you're with an investor in an elevator and you have yeah. you know, seven seconds to pitch him, what do you tell him? Right. And then it's like, we, I did this, I did this thing at Google. So this was many, many years ago and they wouldn't, we had a value. I think it was a value statement. And what we would do is we had to really first was paragraphs. And then we knocked it down to a few sentences and we presented yeah. it. Right. And it was this deal. It was like, it's not easy. Right. Because you're like, how do I put in everything in there in one sentence so that somebody, once again, it's easy for somebody to remember, be able to say, okay, well, tell me what Marcus does. Marcus does this, 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 and this. It's pretty simple actually, right? It's like doing that. And obviously I know you have workshops and stuff that you put on, but that's like, I know that's difficult because I've done it myself. I'm not that good at it. I'll be honest. Like that's, I look at my stuff and I go, God damn, I've got so much more work. I'm going to show this to my team. They're going to be like, I knew we shouldn't have interviewed Marcus because now we're going to have to revamp everything. Right. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. The team will be okay with that too. I'm sure. But, but you get my point of like, it's, it is difficult to really hone in that message. I mean, it's, I mean, how do you like, I mean, obviously there's, you know, obviously I think reading your book obviously is a great first start. I know you do workshops and stuff. I'm just trying to figure out, I, I, you know, of course I'm, I know there's no easy answer. It's not like, Hey Shane, you read my book and then you can revamp everything. Everything will be awesome. But like, how do you get going with this? I mean, let's say, if, you know, somebody can't afford you or whatever, like what would be the next steps? Like, how do you, what, how do you start your process? So let's say you said to yourself, all right, I want to embrace this mindset, this philosophy, which is really a customer first mindset. It's a mindset of we're going to be the best teachers in the world that we're going to become obsessive listeners. That's the first thing that you, that you essentially agree to, right? Now, once this happens, then you say, all right, so if we're going to really address our customers' questions, we need to start with what they're asking. And so you get your sales people together and you say, what are the questions you're hearing all the time, every single day, exactly how they say them. And there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions. Now, here's what's interesting though. And the book talks a ton about this, Shane. I've never seen an industry that's an exception to what I'm getting ready to tell you. So this is B2B, B2C service product, big, small, local, national, just just across the board. There's basically five subjects that buyers are obsessed about with almost any product or service, five subjects. In the book, we call it the big five. What are the big five? The things that you and I want to know before we engage a company. So as to feel like we've done a little bit of vetting, done our work, and now we can move to the next phase, all right, of the buying process. So those five subjects are this, as buyers, we're obsessed with how much is it we want to know about the money. As buyers, we want to know what are the negatives, the issues, the problems with this particular thing, this company, this methodology, okay? So we want to know about money, cost. We want to know about the negatives, the problems. We want to know how does that thing compare to that other thing that we're also looking at? We've gotten to the point we feel like we always have to compare so as to make an informed decision, okay? So we're obsessed with the comparing. As buyers, we're obsessed with what everybody else is saying about it. In other words, reviews. And as buyers, we're obsessed with the best. We like to find out, we like to research what the best thing is. Doesn't mean we're buying it, 
We just want to know what it is so we can work off of it. So cost, problems, comparisons, reviews, and best. Those are the big five. That's what buyers like us, you, me, we want to know. Now, here's what's crazy. Buyers are obsessed with them and businesses do not like to talk about them. <laughs> they don't. So here's the quick litmus test that you can do that's going to give you the fastest gauge as to whether or not your content is truly effective, especially generating sales revenue. And that's how I really define efficacy in the world of business is what generates sales revenue. I'm not here to talk about like what drives a click. I just don't really care, right? Because when you've looked at bankruptcy square in the face, you don't really care about vanity metrics any longer. Yeah. You just care about really what drives revenue. Now, you'll see that these five subjects they help your sales team immediately. Your sales team could be using them all the time. And so the limits test is this, what percentage of the content you've put on your website could be used by your sales team today, right now? In other words, what percent would they say, that's exactly what I've been looking for because I'm dealing with that right now with a prospect. If the answer is not much, you have a problem. I can tell you that at least 80% of your content should be aligned, should fall under the, the umbrella that is the big five. And you're like, what do you mean? That only has five subjects. Oh, no, 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 no. It's actually way, way more than that. But that covers almost everything. I mean, it really covers a ton of questions that people are asking all the time. These are all the bottom of the funnel based questions, right? And what's interesting about content in general and content strategy, Shane, the mistake that most companies make is they start in a top or outside of the funnel, it's generally very fluffy and a sales team or salesperson could never really benefit from whatever was produced. It wouldn't help them very much. Let me give you an example of this. So let's say I'm a pool guy and I wanted to produce an article or a video that says five fun games to play in your swimming pool. That's nice, but it's completely worthless to me as a salesperson as a pool guy. In my course of selling pools, which was almost 10 years, nobody ever asked me, what are some fun games I could play in the pool? Ever. Because they didn't care to ask me that. They had another set of questions for me. So I to decide if they wanted an in-ground pool, do they want a fiberglass pool? And what type of, I was just like all these components, like specific questions. And so because we didn't mess around with fluff and we attacked those bottom of the funnel questions, we got immediate results. You see companies shy away from immediate results because this is the stuff that companies usually never talk about. So let me give you a couple examples if that's, that's okay, Shane, because so, right? this is really, really important. Yeah. It's like a crux of what we're talking about here. So it used to be that people would ask me all the time, Marcus, how much is a fiberglass pool? What's this going to cost me? Just give me a feel. What are we looking at here? And what I'm about to tell you applies to B2B or B2C. So whether you're selling a service or product, it's the same deal. So please don't put yourself in the corner of this doesn't apply because I promise you that it does. And so if I was asking anybody that's listening to this right now, have you researched how much something costs online in the last year? You'd say yes. And I said, okay. So if you're on a website and you're researching cost and price, and you can't find it. What's the emotion you experience? You say frustrated. And I say, why? And you say, well, because it's, I'm the buyer and it's my right to know. And I would say to you, okay, so when you get frustrated, do you sit there and dig further on the website? And you're like, no, I immediately jump. And if I said to you, well, when you get frustrated and you can't find it on somebody's website, you say to yourself, well, that's okay. They're not talking about cost and price. They're a value-based business and I'll call them on the phone instead, which again is completely false because that's not what you do. It's not what we do. Instead of calling the company or digging further on their website, we just keep searching and we search until we find. And generally speaking, whoever gives us the answer we are looking for, they're going to get our business. And if we get to the psychology of this, the real reason we get so upset as buyers is because we know as the buyer that they know as the business, the answer to the question. 
And because we know they know the answer, they're not giving it to us. We now feel like they're hiding something from us. And the moment you or I feel like anybody's hiding anything from us, well, then trust is gone. And that's the business that we're all in. That's the one thing that we all share. So you say, well, Marcus, you know, you don't understand my business. No, I do understand your business. In fact, there's three major reasons why companies don't talk about cost and price on their website. It comes down to three fundamental reasons. The first and the biggest one is the old answer. Well, it depends. We have a customized solution. Every job is different, et cetera, et cetera. So if I came to anybody that sells a product or service and I came to you and I said, so can you help me understand the factors that would drive the cost of your product or service up? You'd say, yes. If I said, could you explain the factors that would keep it down? You'd say, yes. If I said, you gave me a quote and some of your competitors gave me a quote and I see that they're very different in terms of price tag, but you're essentially all telling me that you're going to sell me the same thing. Help me understand the Delta here. Why is there a difference? Could you explain that? Anybody would say yes, because you've probably explained that, especially if you're in sales, you've explained that hundreds of times over the course of your lifetime in that profession, right? So the idea of it depends, it's the easiest one to explain and it's the most important one to explain. You need to explain all the factors that drive it up, the factors that keep the cost down and why some companies are expensive, why some companies are cheap. If you do not explain that, you will unintentionally commoditize the very product or service that you're selling. Because what commoditizes anything is ignorance in the marketplace. And what allows ignorance in the marketplace to exist is the fact that companies don't talk about the basics until after somebody has shook the hand of the salesperson, which goes against everything that we have become as digital buyers and digital consumers. The second reason why we don't talk about cost and price on our website is we say things like it's, it's too expensive you know, or, or more expensive and we don't want to scare people away. But what we all know is the thing that actually scares us away is when a company doesn't talk about cost and price. It's ignorance. That's what scares us. It's no different than, let's say, hypothetically, you wanted to go to a new restaurant tonight, Shane. If you're like most humans, you're probably going to do two things. You're probably going to look at reviews for that website, and you're probably going to look at their menu before you go. It's pretty common. Most people do this. So if you go to the menu before you go and there is no pricing, are you still going to go? Almost all people now won't go. And it's not because they can't afford it, because you could afford most restaurants. It's because they left a blank. And the moment they left a blank, they plant a seed of doubt. When seeds of doubt exist, inertia occurs, and we stop. That's just how it works, right? Third reason why we don't like to talk about cost and price on our website is we say things like we don't want the competition to know. What's funny about that one is if I came to anybody that's had any experience in an industry, especially in sales, and I said, do you have a pretty good sense as to what your competitors charge? They would say, of course. And so here's the big secret. If you know what your competitors charge or roughly what they charge, it means they also know what you charge. This is the big secret, non-secret. Everybody acts like nobody knows what everybody's charging when in reality, everybody has a pretty good sense as to what everybody else is charging. Besides that, when was the last time your competitors paid your bills? They just haven't, right? So why in the world would you allow your competitors to stand between you and that thing that we call trust? So if you look at it like this, it just doesn't make sense. You know, we produced an article on how much does a fiberglass pool cost, right? We were the first swimming pool company in the world that aggressively talked about swimming pool cost. All the factors that drove it up, that drove it down. We gave price ranges. We gave the whole nine. And to make a long story really short chain, because I wrote that article on how much does a fiberglass pool cost or a guide to fiberglass pool costs, it's made over $7 million in sales since the day it was written for my little swimming pool company, $7 million. $7 million in sales off of that one article that explains why it depends. You see, you can't always answer, but you can always address. And this is the part that too many people forget. And usually the victory goes to the one that's willing to have the conversation, even if it means that the answer isn't found, but they at least help the buyer, the consumer say, okay, now at least I understand the parameters here and I know what I'm getting myself into. $7 million. 
for 90% of our clients that I've worked with, which is hundreds of clients that we now have that have embraced the Ask You Answer, for 90%, this is B2B included, the number one traffic sales and lead generating content has to do with cost and price. Yet when I'm in a room, Shane, and I ask audiences, because I do this all the time, and I speak full-time professionally, right? So I'm always asking this question, how many of you in this room right now talk a lot about cost and price on your website? I've never had an audience where the number was over 10%, ever. If you go to a B2B service-based audience, it's less than 2% of the room. It goes contrary to all logic, yet it's still a prolific problem amongst businesses all over the world. We're simply not treating others as we ourselves would want to be treated as buyers. We want to know. And if we know and we feel good about it, then I'll give you a call. But if you don't bother telling me and you expect me to make a call out of ignorance, well, then you got nothing coming. That's the game that we're in. So the psychology of, so how did you get, I mean, when you talk about the psychology of, is this one skin, is this something obviously over time that you've realized, or is this, I mean, cause you, you, you're heavy in the psychology side of things. And once again, when you talk about it, you remind me of one of my instructors yeah. in college where I was like, it was like a thousand aha moments. She's writing on the board. I can't raise my hand fast enough because there's so many, so much stuff that's going on when you talk about psychology and the way that people think. And it's usually, I mean, it's, you know, there's a, there's a thousand blog posts about it, about psychology and how people buy, but yet it feels as marketers and as brands, we've like gone the opposite way because of, for whatever reason, like it's kind of, it just seems so counterintuitive once again, as you explain it. Well, to me, I'm just really good at analyzing my own behavior, right? So I'm constantly throughout any given week saying, well, I I would like that. I'd want to know that, or that would turn me off. That would annoy me. And so I think we actually overanalyze. I don't think you need to read any books on psychology. I have not. But if we're just willing to look at what makes us feel good about a company or about a piece of content or about a video, what makes you look at a thumbnail in YouTube and say, I don't like that guy yet. You haven't hit play yet. Analyze that. There's something there. By the way, the answer to that is the person is trying to appear smart in the thumbnail and immediately that turns you off. That's the reason if you got to the core right? It's a threatening component to it. And so I just don't think most marketers spend enough time in this land of self-awareness, really looking at it and calling a spade a spade. And we've all got this capability within us. I think it's untapped for the most part, Shane. Thanks for your detailed insights into the marketing approach. The big five of buying has truly changed the way I look at content from now on. We are going to discuss this approach in greater detail in the next episode. So stay tuned to Shane Barker's Marketing Growth Podcast.